Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. Hey, today um, is going to be something special. One of my goals for the year 2021 is to bring more testimony to this church and to tell more stories. Um, when I became a believer, it was not because of a pastor or a preacher. Um, I, I, I'm usually up here teaching something and I, I would love for it to be um, my doing that brings people to Christ, but I just know how, how it works. Most of the time it happens when you hear a story. You hear a story from somebody else and you connect with it in some way and it starts to make you think things like, well, maybe if God did that for them, then he could do it for me. They say that the most powerful sermon that has ever been preached is just two words long. Me too. When somebody names that thing that you've gone through before, or they give you a picture of something that you didn't even think was possible. I just that's how I entered into the kingdom of God was hearing stories from people. And so today uh, we wanted to share a story with you. I'd like to invite to the stage my sister Amy. say anything bad about me. <laughs> Nothing bad about me. Hi guys. How's everybody doing? Thanks for coming out. For everybody that um, went out of their way to come out today, even though with the coronavirus and everything, I really appreciate it. Your guys' support means a lot to me. I am going to try my best to get through this um, testimony without crying, so we'll see how it goes. I might want to hold these. Um, for any of you that don't know me, which I'm pretty sure most of you do, but I'm Ryan's sister. Um, I am a fairly new believer. I mean, I got saved 15 years ago, but I just started walking with the Lord a couple years ago. So, um, and I've done a little public speaking, not a lot, so I'm nervous. You guys have to excuse me. But, um, yeah, so I accepted Jesus Christ in 2006, the first time I was on my deathbed. Um, I, my ex-boyfriend shot me and shot himself in the head when I was 21 years old, and in my hospital room, um, Ryan and some other people from this church, which was at the Danbury Theater at the time, was coming up there just pouring love out to me, um, bringing me gifts, praying with me, worshiping with me, and I was like really clueless. I had no idea what, why these people were doing this for me, and I didn't owe them anything in return. So that is what drew me to the Lord was the unconditional factor because I come from the street where you owed something for everything. I mean, if somebody did something for you, you owed them. And that's what I was used to. So um, that unconditional love was, it was kind of a, like hitting a brick wall. It was really new to me. And it's been hard over the years to break down those walls and accept help from people. But um, so since being saved, a few things changed. Well, a lot changed. A few things really changed right away, though. Um, I had this conviction 
that lived in my heart. So where I used to be able to get high and run around and commit crimes and do whatever the case may be, I didn't really feel guilty about it. But now, since I got saved in 2006, every time I did wrong, I would get that gut feeling like this is wrong, this is wrong. So that was the first thing that I noticed where that didn't, I just couldn't do wrong without feeling guilty. I actually had a God consciousness. Mm -hmm. But, um, and another thing is I had this hunger for the Lord. There's some of you in this room that have been in institutions with me, and I was definitely like the Bible thumper of the institution. <laughs> so everybody be like, oh, here she comes with that Bible. But as soon as I got back into, like as soon as my head would get clear and I would sober up, I, I just, I felt that call from God, you know, like you need to be with me. So, and, and you know, some people like really judge people in jail. It's like, oh, she's just a holy roller while she's in jail. No, that, that was the God in my heart that he needed to get that crap out so I could hear him again. But, um, so that also changed. I was like, you know, I would just evangelize through the jail or the treatment center or whatever I was at. Um, let me see here. Um, like I said, I've been in a lot of jails and institutions throughout the years. I've even been in the penitentiary. Um, that was actually the longest that I had ever stayed sober. And my 20 plus years of using was the year that I was in the penitentiary. And you can use drugs in jail, so that was still an accomplishment for me, but it wasn't like working really hard and changing yourself internally. Um, so throughout my 20 plus years, I withstood some very dangerous situations. Um, I won't even go into all that. Just know that on a daily basis, I was in fear. Fear of everything. Fear of my life, fear of where I'm gonna get the next one, fear of this person gonna hurt me, just fear, fear, fear. I was full of nothing but fear. And um, I, you know, I ran, I ran in some really rough neighborhoods. I, I, I just put my life in jeopardy so many times on a daily basis. On a daily basis. But the one scripture, the, the first scripture that I learned when, you can put that scripture up now, Jeremiah. When I learned about the Bible the first time I read it through when I was in jail, this is the scripture that stuck with me, Jeremiah 29, 11. And I held on to that um, promise for years. Like I knew deep in my heart, I was on a suicide mission, but deep in my heart I knew that I could be something one day. I knew that. So um, I held that scripture very close. Um, so my abuse dates all the way back to when I was a small child. There's no need to go into detail. Just know that I'm a sexual assault survivor, I'm a domestic violence survivor, and I am a human trafficking survivor. Um, I say survivor, I say survivor because I'm no longer a victim, I'm an overcomer. So, um, God kept me in his hands throughout all of it. He, he protected me through every bit of it, even when I was spiritually dead inside. He was right there with me. Um, I've faced a lot of really serious health issues over the years too, um, which didn't make things any better. Um, I felt like giving up so many times. I just felt like I was so young and I had so many health issues. It just, it was just really scary at times and I've never been married or anything so I, I just always felt real alone dealing with a lot of stuff on my own. I thought I had to carry it all myself. But um, so I started smoking pot at 11. I started smoking crack at 13, and 10 years ago, I started using heroin. So I fell in love with, as if the other drugs weren't bad enough already, and they weren't ripping through my life. The, um, the heroin I fell in love with because it numbed 
everything that I didn't want to feel. I, I could just check out, and I didn't have to feel that feeling anymore, so I fell in love with it. Um, it numbed my physical and emotional pain, all of it. And I had so many excuses of why I continued to get high. Oh, my back was broken. I had a rough childhood, blah, 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 blah. Like, I would come up with any excuse in the world. If you had the life I had, you would use too. And that, you know, I stayed stuck in that victim mentality. I'll never forget the first treatment center I was ever in. They, they teach you thinking barriers. My biggest barrier in thinking was always the victim role. It was always somebody else's fault. So um, let's see. So I could go on and on. I could go on and on telling you guys about all the bad stuff that happened to me and all the stuff I've been through, but God. <laughs> um, through God's grace and mercy, I um, just celebrated two years on the 13th. You know, my story isn't in there. Three and a half years ago, I caught an infection on my heart valve from intravenously using drugs. And um, so it vegetated on the valve of my heart, and I got very, very sick. But at the beginning, I didn't take this infection seriously. And I was still on my suicide mission, so I couldn't really focus on my health. Um, I didn't believe them when they told me if I shot dope again, I would die. I just, like, you know, I ignored it. I would stay in the hospital long enough to get about two weeks of IV antibiotics and then I would book. And they let it be known at the very beginning that I did enough damage to need heart surgery. So I would leave the hospital, get high till I was super sick again, and then I would come right back to the hospital. I was switching to different hospitals because they were sick of seeing me at the one. Um, but you know, that's when God showed up again for me when I got sick. Like all my Christian brothers and sisters, people that I completely abandon when I'm using, I abandon them and I isolate myself. So if they were to never speak to me again, I would have, you know, well, you did it, but that's not the way it went for me. You know, people have been praying for me and just waiting for me to reach out and take their hand for so many years. Um, but they all was showing up at the hospitals and being there for all my surgeries and everything like that. Um, so he sent believers to come and comfort me in my darkest hour. Um, let's see. So this last time, I went in and out of the hospital a lot. This infection has been going on for years. But the very last time is when stuff got real. Um, I went to stand up out of my bed and I just fell flat on my face. And it wasn't from any substances or anything. I literally lost the ability to walk. My heart was so bad that it the connector to my legs or whatever just went out. And I eventually, with a lot of coercing, went back to the hospital for the, the last and final time. Well, no, that's not true. Anyways, I went back to the hospital and when I got there, first of all, I've gotten way too far ahead of myself. Can we show the first picture of the mugshot? Let's look at what we were looking at back then compared to what God's done. God is a miracle. <laughs> So, um, but I'm going to say a little more about this infection. When I got to the hospital, my, I was in septic shock. So my whole body had gone septic and for me not taking care of the infection on my heart. And they started pumping me with blood pressure medicine when I got to the hospital. And the, the blood ran furthest from my heart, so it ran to my fingers and to my toes. It left these huge black puddles. I had blisters on my fingers, blood blisters. And I had a huge black puddle 
on the left side of my foot, and then on both of my heels were black. And, it, and what it did inevitably was it turned into gangrene, and they had to cut it all out. Mm. So can you show the pictures of my feet, please? Okay. Yeah, it's trigger warning. Sorry, I forgot to do that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Too late. Um, yeah, so that I was in a wheelchair for a long time. Um, I could not walk. There was a period in the hospital when I was having my diaper changed. Um, they put me in a palliative care group, which is right above hospice. Mm. And I had to sign my living will and my power of attorney over to my mom. Mm. I didn't, they didn't think I was going to make it. Um, God, they, they said, you have to stay sober for six months or we're not going to operate on you. Mm. So backtracking a little, you know, one of the nursing homes that they put me in was so drug infested. And I'm going to tell you this. I'm trying to keep a lot of the details out because they're not necessary. But the one detail that I will share with you is this disease is so powerful yes, that is. I was in the nursing home with a pick line that went directly to my heart and I was shooting methamphetamine through it. I couldn't stop. Even on my deathbed, I could not stop. Um, so that was pretty powerful. If you can find that story on the Enquirer. But, um, yeah, so I went through a lot of ups and downs with this infection, but when I, I made a choice in the hospital this last, the last time before I had my heart surgery, and I literally had to choose life or death. I chose life. Um, um, so I totally lost where I'm at. You are right. The hospital, oh my God, the pouring out of love that I got when I was in the hospital. I had somebody come and cut my hair. I had people come pray with me. I had a friend that was there probably 65 of the 78 days that I was in there the last time. I'm not saying any names today because there's so many of you. Just know that if you're in this room or you're listening to this message, you've probably impacted my recovery in some, some way. So I'm truly grateful for all of you and all of those that were with me throughout this process when I was in the hospital. Um, I had a total of 10 surgeries. They had to go in, thank you, and vacuum my heart three times to try to get some of the vegetation off of it because it had vegetated on my lungs and my spine as well. So I have what's called permanent osteomyelitis in the back of my spine now. But um, back to the, when I was in the hospital, they sent me to one last nursing home. And I had an apartment in Clifton, but it was a drug house, um, better known as a trap house. And uh, I decided that the best thing for me to do would be not to go back to that apartment. And I really didn't have anywhere to go. But somebody that went to this church at the time, she chose to believe in me and move me in with her. And um, that set the ball rolling for my recovery. Mm -hmm. um, God worked through so many people to get to me. I mean, he literally left the 99 to come for the one for me, he did. Um, but like I said, the doctor said, you, you have to stay clean for six months. We're not wasting a heart valve on a bunch of drug addicts that just keep going back out and using. That's what they told me. So I made the choice to stay sober. I moved in with my friend and I started surrounding myself with other believers. I cut 
everything out that was to harm me. Mm -hmm. Everything. Um, I made all new friends. I, um, I started doing activities. Meanwhile, trying to recover health-wise at the same time. I started going to teachings and Bible studies and church and we just worshiped and like I was just completely submerged in the Lord the first couple months of my um, sobriety. So, um, let's see, where am I at? I'm sorry, that distracted me, let's see. Anyway, uh, I know where I wanna go. So with that, me being at that person's house, I was slowly looking for my own place again. I didn't know when I would be ready or how that would work out. But about three months into my sobriety, I got my very own new apartment. And I met a girl that also went to this church that um, I think all my friends go here, but most of them. Um, she got me a job. so. I knew that I was fighting for disability because I had so many health issues, but I, didn't, I, want, I needed to work. I needed that for my self-esteem. And of course, God, you know what he does. He went and placed a job in my lap where I can help other victims. Um, I'm a domestic violence victim advocate. And um, that's, that's been a very powerful part of my life as well. But um, let's see, throughout all this, when I was, just submerging myself in the Lord, I just started building a really personal, intimate relationship with God that I had never had before. I, I believed in him, but the, relying on him, that was a totally different ballgame for me. So um, I continued to make healthy, meaningful friendships, and I was growing in the Lord. Um, I was Sometimes I literally would pinch myself when I woke up, like, is this really real? Am I still sober? Um, so... I surround myself with older, no, you guys hate when I say that, older, wiser Christian women. <laughs> they hate that part of my sister. <laughs> but I, mean, I just mean, like, I had to do that um, for my soul so that I could learn how to be a woman. I missed a lot, you know, because I just started using drugs at so young. So I needed to know how to be a respectable Christian woman. That's what I needed to learn. So I, um, like I said, I moved back to my apartment. I got my dream job that I get to work at. I don't have to work there. I get to work there today. Um, at five and a half months sober, I had a successful open heart surgery. Um, they actually were able to repair the valve that I already had so that I didn't have to get a pig valve. And um, so life hasn't been unicorns and rainbows since I got sober. Um, I've spent the majority of my sobriety still in and out of hospitals. I've had an infection on my spine for 10 months. <laughs> I have abscesses that are connected to some hardware that is in my back from when I got shot, and I think I need to get the hardware removed. So it's been a big ordeal, but I usually have drain tubes hanging out of me. They just came out two months ago. But it's not been easy. There were so many times that I wanted to give up. <laughs> Like, going back for me is to die. Yes, it is. I mean, a lot. it is for a lot of people. But literally, my heart won't make it. I will die. Endocarditis is reoccurring. And if you shoot dope, you'll catch it right back. Mm -hmm. And it'll kill me. Mm -hmm. so, um, so today I choose life. But um, throughout this very long storm, I came so much closer with the Lord. Next scripture, please. 
I meditate on um, Psalm scripture. Be still and know that I am God. Literally, I have learned patience in the Lord, through the Lord. I wouldn't have, I had no patience before, but that scripture has helped me through a lot throughout this infection because I really thought everything was going to get better when I got sober, but really, it did. Don't get me wrong, everything is beautiful, but life happens on life's terms and see that's what I never knew how to do Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to handle life when life happened to me so I just wanted to use so I didn't have to think about it or deal with it so I ran from responsibility for 20 years because I couldn't handle life so every day I had to practice how to be an adult and how to pay bills Mm -hmm. all kinds of things you know I'm getting my car next month just just all this stuff that I'm learning that I I should have known, I'm 36 years old. But I was out writing my story before, you know, I could get it together. But um, for years I felt really unworthy and shameful and beneath all of you people. (laughs) Through growing closer to God, I have learned, next scripture, that we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Yes, we do. And, Sin is sin. Yes, it is. One sinner isn't worse than another sinner. And um, everybody needs struggles with stuff. Mm-hmm. And everybody needs help sometimes. Um, but it's helped my self-worth and my self-esteem to realize that I'm equal to everybody God created. He loved, we're all children of God. Yes, we are. Um, yes, we are. Through my relationship with God, I've also learned the importance of forgiveness. Um, I was taught that you forgive because God forgave you. And I was also taught it's for me, it's not for them. Yes, sir. There you go. I forgive them so I can be free. Exactly. I even forgot, forgave the man who shot me. And I don't know if he deserved it. He's a child of God, too. Yes, so, but now I do a little, you know, I do things very differently now. I take responsibility for, for my actions and for my life. And I try to keep my side of the street clean. I, blaming other people never got me anywhere. It just got me stuck further and further out. Because how can you get better if it's somebody else is the problem? Once I know I'm the problem, then I can get into the solution. Um, so my character has changed from inside out. So a lot of you might say, well, what's different this time, Amy? We've seen you get sober before. Well, I have a very intimate and personal relationship with the Lord that I've never had before, where I rely on him to keep me sober every day. I don't rely on myself. Uh, Stop crying, baby. (laughs) Um, so, So my relationship with the Lord changed and my character has changed. I have integrity, like, I want to do the right thing even when nobody knows about it. Um, I don't lie anymore. Try not to, you know how that goes. I'm a reliable friend. I'm, you know, my family's starting to trust me again. Um, But I can be a friend today. I can, I can work on being a mom. I can be a friend. But we're not bragging on me. Let's brag on God about it. It's, I didn't do it. He did it. He did all of it. And um, I used to base, base my self-worth off of what other people thought of me. Now I rely on what God says about me. 
I wish I could say that I haven't made mistakes along the way, but it's all gross. Um, living like a respectable adult is just new to me, and I just, you know, I literally take baby steps every day. So I would like to share a few of the things that God has done in my life. Um, I was going to call them accomplishments, but I feel like they're, you know, he did them, not me. So, but I've been at my job for a year and a half. I, I've never had a job long enough to even file taxes. So having a job for a year and a half is just amazing. And I got a promotion. I got a promotion where I'm a trainer and an educator. I educate the other advocates. And that just blows my mind that somebody trusts me to, to help other people, that my experience, all the hell that I went through is useful. It's useful now. Um, so I've done a lot of public speaking with my job. I've spoke to JFS. I've spoke with the Guardian at Lytle. Um, they, they like me to go share my story and how how this job has helped change my life. I've been working there since I was three months sober, so there are big parts of my story as well in my job. But um, I was volunteering for the, um, the cat house before we stopped doing that. Hopefully we'll be able to pick that back up soon. We're taking church to people at the cat house. I took care of all my old warrants, legal stuff. I paid my fines. Um, I don't ever have to go to somebody's jail again. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. But, um, so the Enquirer did a story on me. If you just Google my name, it pops up, The Rising Mess in Cincinnati. But um, I also, um, the Platform Magazine did a story on me and um, a book that my doctor at my primary care physician, they asked her to write a chapter in a book and she uh, is writing on me and how, um, you know, what benefits medical maintenance had in my life. Um, I sponsor a young lady. I help walk her through the 12 steps and how to, um, you know, we, we help each other. Um, what, what I do to continue um, bettering myself is I stay in the Word. I go to church on a regular basis. I pray a lot. I talk to God. I do three Bible studies a week. Not to mention, if anybody's interested, the one on Monday nights is for recovery. It's awesome. It's 12 steps in Jesus. But... Um, so I do, I'm in some recovery groups online. Um, I, I'm in therapy. I've done Sozo's. Um, I've done some AA. I just, I rely on God and I have great friends that keep me accountable. Um, without, the, without a lot of the people in this room, I wouldn't be standing here today. So none of this would be possible without God in the Vineyard West Side. This church has changed my life in so many ways. I am forever grateful. Some of you have been praying for me for 15 years. Um, thank you for giving me a safe place to be loved. And um, I was once hopeless, but today I have hope. And the other thing I wanted to say was, um, if you didn't get anything else, out of this message, just how about how God can use wreckage? Just the fact that I'm standing up here. I love you, Amy. <laughs> just, just standing here that I'm worthy enough for anybody to even hear what I have to say. You know, my self worth was way down there. I didn't think I was worth anything, that anybody cared what I had to say. But my main focus in life today is to see who I can help. 
you know, who I can, who God can use me through to try to reach somebody else that might be suffering. And um, I think I think that sums it up. We do recover. Yes, we do. Thank you. What are you doing next Sunday? (laughs) (laughs) Will you pray with us? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for today. We thank you for second chances and tenth chances. We thank you that you let us start over every day. We thank you for all the love and the blessings that you have given us. We thank you for everybody in this room. We hope that you heard something today that was from God, not from me. We love you so much, and if you know somebody is struggling, just reach out to them. Just knowing that one person cares about you can really change your life. We love you so much, Lord. Yeah, to thank you for uh, pulling my sister from the depths of hell. <laughs> and God, I just thank this church for giving my sister back to me (laughs) Lord we know that you are miraculous and so we just pray for anybody here today who needs one of those miracles that you would step in that you would move in a strong way that you would surround them with friends who can help support them and that you would let them know that there's nowhere you can run nowhere where you won't find us we love you Jesus we love thank you. you for everything you've done thank you Jesus we pray in your name amen amen this won't be the last time you see me up here just saying <laughs> God bless you guys. If anyone would like to be prayed for for anything at all, we'll have some prayer team people over here. I love you and I thank you, and I'll see you soon. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.